beautiful gifts around the world. This morning, I want to talk about holiness. I would rename my sermon from hungering for holiness to a free and holy people, or both together. Uh, Holiness is a beautiful, powerful, freeing, life-giving thing, because it is the very character and nature of God himself that he desires and is designed that we should share it. So we come this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 7. I'm in verse 1. I'm actually going to start reading in chapter 6 at verse 14, knowing that chapter 7 is, verse 1 is my main text here. Hear then the word of God. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, what fellowship has light with darkness, what accord has Christ with Belial, or what portion does the believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will make my dwelling among them, and I will walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will welcome you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord, the Almighty. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning, and we sit at your feet to learn of you. Oh, we read words like this, and for me, Father, I long that they would come into my life with power. I long for my eyes to be open, to see, to feel, to experience, to know the truth of these words and the promises that you give, but the power of these words and the life that it creates in those of us who know you, love you, and are indeed your children. Come this morning and speak to us afresh, and more than that, fill us with your Spirit. And make us holy. For we ask and we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll see the quotes in your bulletin. The first one that I have this morning comes from C.S. Lewis. He said this, how, how little people know who think that holiness is dull. When one meets the real thing, it is irresistible. If even 10% of the world's population had it, And more than 10% of the world's population purports to be Christian, I believe. If just 10% of the world's population had it, would not the whole world be converted and happy before the year's end? Genuine holiness, he is saying, is a powerful thing. An irresistible thing. I was reading this week, we started reading through the New Testament... Friday was day one. You've only missed one day if you want to read through the New Testament with us. But in that day, we started reading in Luke, and I read this verse, a verse that I've come across before, and it struck me as it did before. It's there in your bulletin in chapter one. He says that we, this is Zechariah after 
his son is born and he's been mute because of his unbelief and, and he finally is he, he, he's able to speak after the birth of his son and he, and he is praying and worshiping and celebrating what God is doing not only in John, his son, the Baptist, uh, but in the coming of Messiah, he understands. And so he says this, that this is what's going on, that we are being delivered from the hand of our enemies, that we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. And if you don't see it that way, this ought to capture our hearts. This ought to move us in a way because this is a summary description of the Christian life. This is a summary description of what it's all about. Being delivered from the guilt and bondage of our sin, the hand of our enemies. Being set free, free to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness all of our days. That's it, in a nutshell. Let's go do that. Let's go be that. Delivered, free, holy, serving, always. This is why Jesus died. He died to create this people, this people freed from the guilt and bondage of sin, serving their God, their Lord, their King without fear, in holiness and in righteousness all of their days. This is what Jesus died to do, to create a free and holy people who belong to God. We see it there in 1 Peter chapter 2 in your bulletin. 2.9, he says this, you're a chosen race, you're a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, a nation set apart, a people for his own possession. That you may proclaim the excellencies of the one who has called you out of darkness and into light. Or Titus chapter 2, right after that in your bulletin, it says, Jesus gave himself to redeem us, that is, to deliver us from the hand of our enemies, to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself that in Holiness and righteousness all of our days. He would create a people for his own possession. Zealous for good works all of their days. So what is holiness? As we talk about this, I said 7-1 is really my text. It's about cleansing ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion. Well, what is it? It literally means, and you've heard this before, I've talked about these things before. Holiness literally means to set something apart. It means to set apart, to make it holy. So God is holy in the sense that he is utterly separate from our world. He is the creator. We are the creation, right? We are creatures and he is, he is the Lord. He, he has made everything that it is by his power. He is not part. We were just talking this morning, one of the, in, in the class on world religions and in Hinduism, they believe that God is the world and the world is God. And in, and, in, and in Christianity, we say, no, God is holy. He is holy other. He is not the creation. He is not us. He is not anything of the created order. He is utterly separate. He is the creator, the uncreated one who makes all things. It means literally to set apart. And, and in the words of the verses that we just read, when it read as it comes to a, us being a holy people, you are a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, right? And that's the heart of what it means to be, I think, a biblically holy people, a people for God's own possession, set apart. 
The word there is, I've, I've heard it defined, and it's a word in the Greek that means, you know, uh, the, 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 the personal, I think I've used this illustration before, like pocket change. Like when you say your own, it's the extra money, it's the money that I have, or my birthday money that I put in the back of my wallet. It doesn't go into general circulation, right? It's in the back of my wallet. It's special. It's my own possession. I can buy whatever I want with it. I don't have to buy food for the house or a vacuum cleaner. I'm going to buy some toy for me. Right? It's for my own possession. It's that kind of an idea here that you are a, a holy nation, a nation set apart for God's own possession, for his purposes, for his purposes alone, to belong to him, redeemed, purified, zealous for a life pleasing to God. In Romans 6, 18, he says it this way, having been set free from sin, that is, being delivered from the hands of our enemies, we have become slaves of righteousness. And don't hear that with negative words. You know, slaves of righteousness. That means we are free to serve God without fear. Richard Baxter puts it this way right under your Romans quote. He says this, holiness does not consist in a mere forbearance of sensual life, but principally in living for God as his own possession. The principle or heart of holiness is within. It consists in a love of God and of his word and of his ways and of his servants and his honor and, and his, of his interest in the world and in, and in the soul's delight in God and the word and ways of God and its, and its inclination is toward him, his desire is after him and their care is to please him and to loathe or to hate, to offend him. Beautiful definition of what holiness consists of. It's a life alive to God, lived for God, before God, to Him. In the language of our text, in verse 1, he says, Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit so that we can indeed live for Him. Body and spirit, inside and out. All of who we are, given to all of who He is. Holiness. You're His own possession. All of who you are, given to all of who He he is. So we can say holiness consists of at least two distinct things here as we're talking about it. A positive side of it and a negative side of it, right? The negative side of it is this. A life cleansed from anything that is incompatible with God's holiness. A life cleansed of anything that is displeasing and dishonoring to him. Anything that's at odds with him. You know, he is light and so all darkness. He says, cleanse ourselves from things that are dark. So that's negative. Is cleansed from anything incompatible. Cleansing ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit. But the positive side of it is a life consecrated and devoted to him. Right? A life given to service and obedience of God. That the cleansing isn't an end in itself. The cleansing is to separate out all that is darkness so that we can step into the light. Right? So that we can serve Him without fear all of our days. Now let me give you a couple. That's what holiness, number one, what, what, what holiness is in some sense, but also why holiness then. Let me give you a couple quick, well, maybe not quick. Let me give you a couple reasons from the text. And the first, the first reason that we pursue holiness and we talk about it, if this is what it is, why? And the first reason is because, because he is holy, he wants us to be holy. 
Because he is that way, he wants us to be that way. Be holy because I am holy. It's the whole point of that preceding section that I went ahead and read, 14 to 18. I think that's the point of that whole section, is that that God is holy, we are his temple, and so we need to be holy. Right? And he starts in 14 to 16, he has, don't be unequally, there's a couple sermons in that text, I'm not going to delve down into what these mean, but, you know, that... You know, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And in the end of 16, he is saying, because we are the temple of the living God. Right? Don't be unequally yoked because don't be connected to things that have to do with unbelief and, and things that are not compatible because we are the temple of the living God. Between those two statements in 14 to 16, there are five rhetorical questions. All of them have the same answer. Nothing. Well, partnership between righteousness and lawlessness. Nothing. What fellowship is there with light and darkness? None, nothing, right? And so he goes through because don't, we are the temple of the living God. These things are incompatible. Be holy because he is holy and we are his temple. That's why in verse 1, he says we are to pursue holiness because we have these great and precious promises. We are the temple of the living God. And then he draws all of these quotes from the Old Testament and stacks them together. Right? In verse 16, he says, I'm going to make my dwelling among them. I'm going to walk among them. I, I will be present with I will come to them, be present with them. I will be their God. They will be my people. The essence of God's gracious covenant is just this. You find it from the beginning of the Old Testament into the pages of Revelation. The, the essence of God's gracious covenant with his people is this. I will be your God. And you will be my people, a people from my own possession. In verse 17, then he says, he calls us out, right? Therefore, go out, be separate from them. Don't touch unclean things, right? There is this be holy because I am holy. Calls us out, he separates us apart. In verse 18, then is the crowning promise of the new covenant. I'll be a father to you. And you will be my children. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and soul. Since we have these promises, His presence, His favor, His love, His covenant, let us pursue holiness. 1 Peter 1, it's there in your bulletin. Peter says this, He says, as obedient children, right? That comes right out of the last promise of verse 18 in chapter 6. I will be your father. You will be my sons and daughters. And so Peter picks it up and says, as obedient children, don't be conformed any longer to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who's called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Don't you know that it's written? Do you remember that it's written in the Old Testament? You will be holy because I am holy and you are my people. Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44. From the early pages of the Old Testament, Leviticus to here and Peter and the later part of the New Testament, the the call is the same. Your God is holy. And you are His people for His special possession. Be holy as He is holy. You know, I plugged my iPad into my computer this week. First time I ever did that. 
I've plugged other things that way in my, you know, but I plugged it in there. And when you do that with one of these Apple devices, if you have iTunes installed, you know, a pro, the master program comes up. And as it came up on my computer this week, plugged in there, it comes up, and there's this little sideways barber pull bar long, though, showing progress. And over it, it says, syncing with the iPad. Syncing with the iPad. I couldn't help it. I'm writing this thing on holiness. I'm talking about who God is holy and we should be holy. And, you know, and I, I've, I've got this whole image of who God is and his holiness. And he creates us as to be a people for his own possession. And then he wants to sync with his iPad, right? The master program, when we put our faith in Christ, right? We plug into Christ. In a sense, we are open to the master program. And he wants to download the content of the master program onto the mobile device, Work with me here. <laughs> you know, illustrations come hard to me. This is, this is, the da- right? we, we sync with the master, with the master program, right? We, when we plug in, and this is, this is his point. And every time someone plugs into Christ, you know, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. It wants to sync with the master program. Download all that content into the lives of his mobile devices of his people. Be holy because I am holy. The master is holy. But he also is already, the second reason I would give you is this, not only wants us to be holy because he is holy, but he's already begun this work. It's already underway. Right? And he calls us to cooperate with him. In other words, if you put your faith in Christ, he says this isn't a, this isn't a, debatable issue you know this isn't a a a maybe if or but this is if we plug into christ the first verse there philippians 1 6 he who began a good work in you is going to carry it on to completion to the day of jesus he begins that good work soon as you plug in the master program opens the little process bar comes on and it says sinking with the ipad and he's already begun the good work. If we're in Christ, he calls us to, to enter in. And that's why he says, let us cleanse ourselves then and bring holiness to completion, this thing that's already started, this thing that God is already doing. Romans 8, 28. We love this verse. Most of you could quote it by heart. There in your bolt, in all things work together for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. Love it. All things are working together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Wait a minute. What's his purpose? So we love that all things are working for the good. To, to the purpose. What's the purpose? So we like to plug in there all kinds of things are working for my good. And then we define good and we define purpose. But the text, the text defines it for us in the context of all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to a purpose, says this, that he predestined that we should be conformed to the image of his son. Look it up. Read that section of Romans 8 and see that we would be conformed, predestined. If we are in Christ, we will be conformed to the image of his son. And he says all things are working toward this purpose for the good of those that is not for our comfort you know not not for the the completion of the american dream you know not for good in any temporal happy form that we tend to define it god is working everything together to purify his people 
to make us more and more like Christ, to download more and more content of who He is into who we are. The image of God, the image of Christ, being remade and re-impressed and downloaded into the lives of His people. And He calls us to enter into this whole thing, God's purpose. Let us cleanse ourselves. Let us bring it to completion. We have these promises. Let me point out just a couple of senses in which holiness is talked about in the Bible. And a lot of you have heard this before. If you haven't, it's my job to tell you. In, in, the, in, the, in the Bible that it talks about holiness in three senses, three tenses. It talks about holiness as past, as present, and as future. It talks about it as something that's already done, something you already have. And it talks about something that's being done and something that you're getting. And then it talks about as a promise of something that someday you will have in its ultimate fullness. Right? And it talks about them in all three senses. And all three are true all the time. We are already holy. It's done. Accomplished. Complete. In Christ. By faith in Christ, we already have it. We are holy with His holiness. We are righteous with His righteousness. By faith, when we are in Christ, we stand before the Lord, holy and righteous and accepted. He is our Father and we are His children. It's a done deal. That by faith, all these things become ours at once and are standing before God. It's a done deal. You are holy. When Paul writes to the church in, in Philippi, he writes to the saints in Philippi. I don't like the way the English, we, we translate these words. That word saint is the same word root that we're using here, holiness. It's the same word, only it's a noun instead of an adjective. And it means holy ones. So he writes to the holy ones in Philippi. Who are they? It's the church. He's writing to the church. So he could write to the, holy, to the saints in Hicks and Prez. Done. In Christ, holy with his holiness. But while that is true, he says, well, that because that is true, now I'm going to actually make you holy. I am, I am going to conform you to the image of the Son in whom you stand holy. Because you have his righteousness as your own, I am, in the course of your life, going to make you more and more and more just like him. And so he's making us holy now. It's being downloaded. It's being synced. Even now, we must grow in holiness and sanctification. It's part of our salvation. Let us cleanse ourselves. Let us bring it to completion. And then the promise is, one day, my friends, as you stand in Christ, holy and righteous, as you grow in that holiness and, in your, and, and more and more in His likeness in your life, He says, that day is coming, my friends, when you will stand before Him fully and completely and finally free from sin. Every defilement of body and spirit. Someday you will stand in His presence and you will be like Him because you will see Him as He is and there will be no more barrier between us. Fully and finally, we will love Him with an undivided heart. That day is coming. That day is promised. And so we stand between those days. We stand between the day of the cross in which we were, by faith, made right and holy in Christ. And we stand that day, looking to the day when it will be finally and fully realized and consummated and true. And in the middle, we live out, let us cleanse ourselves of everything. Let us bring to perfection this holiness that is so godlike. 
but we do it standing between the finished work of Christ and the promise of the completion on that day. And it's in that context that we pursue it without fear, delivered from our enemies, from the hands of our enemies without fear. In the finished work of Christ and in the promised glorification in the end, we do it. The gospel sets us free to pursue it, to pursue a life of obedience and service to Him, a life for His own possession. And we stumble, we fall, but we stand in Christ in the hope of heaven and we brush ourselves off, we repent, and we sink. Tim Chester says this, You will cleanse no sin from your life that you have not first recognized as being pardoned through the cross. This is in your bulletin, the last point. This is because holiness starts in the heart. The essence of holiness is not just new behavior or activity or disciplines. Holiness is new affections. It's a new heart, new desires, right? New motives that lead to new behavior. Because I love Him and I want Him and I desire to be who I am in Christ and who He has promised me to be. If you don't see your sin is completely pardoned, then we'll get it all wrong. Your affections and desires and motives will be all wrong. You'll aim to prove yourself. You'll aim to to earn His love, to earn His acceptance, to, to try to get... And He says, don't go there. You stand in between the finished work of Christ where we are holy and the holiness of Christ and on the promise of the day when it will be done. And it's there that we strive without fear. That we serve Him all our days without fear in holiness and righteousness. But we start with pardon and we start with freedom at the foot of the cross. Let me just give you five quick things that are listed there in your bulletin. The blessings of holiness as we pursue this. And you understand when you talk about a whole life, you know, consecrated and devoted to Him, it has to do with everything. Like, and I'm going to let you kind of make that application. It means your whole life. It means how you, you know, it might even mean when you go to bed on a Saturday night. So you get up and worship on Sunday morning. It may mean when you go to bed during the week so that you can have time in your life to be with Him. And it has to do when you go to bed and when you get up and what you eat and how you care for yourself and how you give your time and what you watch and what you don't watch, what you read, and the things that you... You know, it, everything comes into this. Five things. The benefits. Assurance. You know, one of those... We don't always see it, but a great part of our confidence that we belong to Him is when we see His work in our lives. When we see our lives sinking, maybe little by little, you know, maybe, you know, it's incremental change. I got a really slow modem, you know, it's coming slow bit by bit, but it's, but we see growth and we see change. We see Our lives sinking, both in my desires. I want to be conformed to the image of Christ. I I want to be that person for his own possession. I want him to be my father and me to be his child. And so as I seek to do these things, we see progress and we see growth and we see him blessing that meeting us, doing this work within us. We are saved by faith alone, but our faith is never alone. It is always bearing the fruit of holiness. It is always accompanied by This life that pursues, that is cleansing and 
bringing to completion. Matthew 7, 21, it's there in your bulletin. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Right? The one who does his will, and as we see ourselves wanting to do his will and doing more and more of his will and seeing our lives changed and conformed to his word and his ways, we have confidence that we belong to him. He says you will know them by their fruit. So it brings great confidence into our lives to see growth in holiness. And, and not only this text from Matthew seven twenty one, just a few verses later, is then when he gives that illustration of the one who builds his house on the rock and the one who builds his house on the sand. And the foundation, he says, that foundation that when the storm comes, a storm of judgment or the storm of life, and you built your house on that solid foundation, he says, this is the man who, who heard his word and put it into practice. was growing in obedience, a life of obedience and service and holiness. Not only our assurance, it brings assurance as we see God's work in our lives, but it brings credibility because we're, we're a people on mission. We're a people who are to witness to Christ, you know, to witness to this risen one, to witness to this one who can change people's lives as part of our message, right? But we can't really speak convincingly about a living Christ who changes lives when our lives show no change. Right, so there's a, credi- a credibility gap. Archbishop Layton, Robert Layton, says a holy life is a voice. It speaks when the tongue is silent, and it's either a constant attraction or a perpetual reproof, but a holy life is truth incarnate, and it speaks. It either corroborates the truth we're trying to proclaim, or in some fa- fashion it contradicts it. And so a holy life gives us credibility. As we pursue Christ, it saves us from hypocrisy and that accusation which is so common against the church, so common against Christians. You say you're a Christian, but you're so mean. (laughs) You say you're a Christian, but you constantly leave work early and you're not really giving the company it's... You say you're a Christian, but you... You say you're a Christian, but you... You say you were a Christian, but on Monday you get, you know, Saturday night you get drunk, and on Sunday morning you're in church. You say you're a Christian, but I don't see holiness, right? I don't see a life that's conformed to the image of Christ. I don't see, I don't see, I don't see it. Our own assurance, subjective sense of confidence that God is at work in my life and credibility to the world that is outside, but it's also the source of joy. Everyone wants to be happy. We know that. Everybody's pursuing it. You know, every human being is pursuing happiness right now. One way or another, it doesn't matter what they're doing. It doesn't matter what they're doing. They're pursuing happiness. That's what we do. The question is, where do we pursue happiness? And for a lot of folks, we, we think we need, in order to be happy, we have to sacrifice holiness. We have to disobey in order to get what we want that will make us happy. I I hear a lot of people, you know, justify whether it's divorce or infidelity or any number of things, saying, well, God wants me to be happy. So I just sacrifice holiness, you know, disobey his word and walk the other way. And God says, no, happiness, happiness is found in a life in sync with God. We cannot bypass and find, you will find, you will find the temporary temporal happiness in the world's goods, 
The joy that God intends is greater, deeper, and on the other side of it. Here, Thomas Kelly, the quote is this, a life that intends to be wholly obedient, wholly submissive, wholly listening, is astonishing in its completeness. Its joys are ravishing. Its peace is profound. Its humility is the deepest. Its power is world-shaking. It's love enveloping, it's simplicity, that of a trusting child. There is a beauty, there is a power, there is a joy in a life that is in sync with its God. He will be your father and you will be his people. Our assurance, credibility, our joy, but also and finally our spiritual strength and youthfulness. I do believe the Bible from beginning to end, whatever you think about any other doctrine or however you want to nail it down and talk about it, there is an unmistakable link in the scripture between holiness of life and spiritual strength and youthfulness in the world. John Owen says that this, that the vigor and the power and the comfort of our spiritual life depends on the mortifications of the deeds of the flesh. Now that's a 17th century way of saying uh, it depends on us cleansing ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, right? The vigor and power and comfort of our spirit, the assurance of our spiritual life depends on this work of dying to sin and being alive unto God. That's how Paul says it in Romans 6, that we would die to sin but be alive unto God. Second Timothy, Paul says it this way, if anyone will cleanse himself from what is dishonorable, defilement of body and spirit, he will be a vessel, a vessel of honorable use, set apart, holy, useful to the master for every good work. Robert Murray McShane said, a holy minister, hear yourself there. You are a minister of Christ. If you belong to him at all, you are his servant. A holy servant of Christ is an awful weapon in the hand of God. You know, I preach this because I think in the church, I'm not picking on us. Pick on me. I pick on the church in America. Pick on the church around the world. The flame of holiness burns low. You know, our, our consecration, our utter devotedness is... It's not what it should be. It's not what he wants it to be. In our pursuit of holiness, I'll leave you with one last image. It's like swimming upstream. Some of you think, well, maybe I'm, I've stagnated. I've just plateaued. I believe in the spiritual life, there's no such thing as a plateau. I think the spiritual life is like swimming upstream. And if you're sw- when you're swimming, you're making progress. But when you're not swimming, you're losing ground. You're being swept downstream. You swim or you be swept There is no neutral. There is no plateau. Right? There is forward progress. And there is being swept in the wrong direction. What am I trying to say? Simply this. Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves of every defilement of body and in spirit. Let us bring holiness to completion in fear, and reverence, and love, and awe of the God who has loved us so well. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we come this morning recognizing that, uh, that we need to grow, and I pray, Father, that you would renew in us that desire to grow, 
that we would hunger for holiness, that we would desire to be a free and holy people that, uh, that live what we believe and that honor you in the way that, we, the way that we live, the way we live for you. Come near this morning. Recapture our hearts and our imagination. Fill us with your spirit. Renew us in the joy of our salvation and help us to once again give ourselves to you. Our Lord, our King, our Savior, our Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand as we conclude. and We're going to conclude with before the throne of God. We have a perfect plea. There's one who stands there in whose holiness we are holy.